In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear Christians, what does a healthy church look like? What do you think a healthy church looks like? If you were to ask the pastors at your winkle that question, what would they say? If you were to gather together 50 members of the congregations of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, what would they say? If you ask that question, you probably would get dozens and dozens of different answers. Well, a healthy church supports missions. A healthy church is debt-free and flush with cash. A healthy church is growing in membership. It has assimilation teams. A healthy church is outwardly focused, not inwardly focused. A healthy church creates an atmosphere of community and friendship. A healthy church has youth programs where kids actually want to be at church. A healthy church equips people to help and aid in the ministry. A healthy church has a friendly, good-looking pastor. We don't have that problem at Good Shepherd. A healthy church has lots of staff members and team meetings. A healthy church has vision statements. And maybe even the vision statement is in an acrostic poem that matches up with the name of their congregation. A healthy church has worship that's entertaining. A healthy church might even play movie clips during the sermon to keep your attention. A healthy church has comfortable pews. The coffee is brewed at the right time by the right person to the right strength so that it's steaming, piping hot when it gets into your cup. A healthy church has people speaking in jibber-jabberish tongues showing that the Holy Spirit is really present. Maybe even you get some that say, I just know in my heart that my church is healthy, that it's the right one for me. To be fair, there might even be some that you ask that say a church is healthy when the pastor wears the right vestments, holds his hands the right way, and turns the right direction at the right time. That's the reality of our church, isn't it? You've probably heard people say those things. Generally speaking, there's nothing wrong with having comfortable pews or good coffee. But is that how we ought to define the health and importance 
of the church. The truth is, all those things that I've just listed off are things that our sinful natures look for in a church. And most people, when they look for a church, look based upon what their sinful natures want. That list of things is what our sinful nature uses to judge the healthiness of what Christ has called into existence here on earth. Even though it's not the way that Christ himself judges the health of a church. Maybe even your congregation has had members who have left your congregation because you didn't have the right coffee. You weren't the right friendliness level. Your pews were too hard and uncomfortable. Pastors, maybe you felt the pressure and maybe even given in to changing your church practice to feed this incessant desire for a man-defined church. Behind all of this is our own sinful ego, thinking that we have a better word than the word of God. And all of us, when we talk about our churches, talk in a way that reflects this sinful way of thinking. When pastors talk to each other at conferences or winkles, what things do they ask about each other? How many members are in your congregation? What's your Bible study attendance? How many studies do you have? What do members say? Oh, we have such a good pastor. He's so friendly. We support this mission. We support that mission. Our congregation really has been such a positive influence on our children by getting them involved with mercy work. Dear Christians, what makes a healthy church? Is it a list of man-defined items to check off? Or is it something more? The truth is, we need to repent of how we define the health of the church. Because God does not define the church by pew comfort, by the smile of your pastor, by the size of your congregation, or by any other worldly means of measuring things. God defines his church in a different way, by the marks of the church. 
We see that in the scripture lesson we've just heard. If you want to know what marks God uses to define his church, read the book of Acts. And look at what happens within its pages. In the book of Acts, there are 19 sermons. Sermons where the apostles' words were recorded for us. The content of their preaching based upon the Old Testament scriptures. The content of which is Christ crucified and risen for the forgiveness of sins, for life, and for salvation. And when those sermons are preached, God creates faith. In the book of Acts, there are countless times where there's an exhortation for people to be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And when they're baptized, they receive forgiveness of sins and God creates faith. In the book of Acts, the people of the church gather together for prayers and breaking of bread, the Lord's Supper, where Christ's true body and blood are delivered to them to eat and to drink for the forgiveness of sins. And through it, God sustains faith. In the book of Acts, the church grows, the church shrinks, but the word and the sacrament, the forgiveness of sins remains the same. And through word and sacrament, God calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the church in its very beginning years. Dear Christians, the same is true for our church today. We are, in fact, the same church, after all. Preaching of the word of God and its truth and impurity, repentance of sin and baptism for the forgiveness of that sin and the blood and death of Jesus, the breaking of bread, the apostles' teaching, the holy absolution, these means of grace, when administered according to Christ's institution and his holy word, are the things that bring the church into existence and sustain it day by day in trouble, in blessing, in goodness, in struggle. It's through these things that even now the Holy Spirit calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the entire Christian church on earth and keeps it with Christ Jesus in the one true faith. That's the way it works. Now. Here. And you know what that means? It means that it's God who calls the church into existence. It's God who determines the health of a congregation. God alone. You cannot take credit for what he does among us. 
He alone deserves all glory, praise, and honor. He is the one who defines what the church is, and therefore he's the one who defines if it is healthy or not. What's he look for? A baptismal church, a Lord's Supper church, an absolution church, a word of God church. A church with faithful, called, and installed pastors who don't toot their own horn, but who always point to Christ, crucified and risen, to take away the sin of the world. Word and sacrament, that's what the church is about. And that's good news, dear Christians. That means you're free. Free to be faithful to God's word, even if the pew is a little uncomfortable. Free to hear God's word and receive God's gifts, even if your pastor doesn't smile enough or tell jokes from the pulpit, or show movie clips on a screen. You're free to hear God's word and trust in it. No matter what mission work your congregation supports, even if it's as simple as keeping the lights on in the building. You're free because God calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies. And as God hangs on to us through these marks of the church, word and sacrament, through these gifts that he gives, as God keeps his church alive through word and sacrament, we're also free to suffer. In one of his works where Luther goes through the marks of the church, he ends with that, suffering for the sake of God's word. Suffering is what God promises to those who trust in his word and sacrament to call the church into existence. We suffer because Satan is always after word and sacrament. He seeks to undermine them. And so part of the suffering of faith is being mocked by those who are more progressive, who deny that God will work in such simple means. Part of the suffering will be when others ignore us, don't talk to us, tease us, talk about us behind our back at Winkles or pastor's conferences, or even in conversation at the local coffee shop. As we suffer, we do so clothed in Christ, who's given us his word and sacraments. Our hope is not found in what the world thinks about us. Our hope is found 
in Christ. The world may constantly seek to silence the faithful church by attacking the things that are most precious to her, but she shall not be overcome by the world. Christ is victorious, not the world. Christ is victorious, not those who mock or despise. Christ is victorious, and you belong to him. And so he's faithful. He keeps us. He guards us. He watches over us, and he is present in word and sacrament. And he always will be to call you, to gather you, to enlighten you, and to make you holy in the gifts he freely gives. In the name of Jesus, amen.